Folks, I invite you to turn with me to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2. If you have a pew Bible, you'll find this on page 909. In our church calendar, today marks Pentecost Sunday, a day that remembers and celebrates the events that took place in this passage, Acts chapter 2. I'll read verses 1 through 13 of this text. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others, mocking, said, They are filled with new wine. This is the word of the Lord. Friends, let's stand and ready our hearts to hear from his word, singing together. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for these moments and just ask that you be pleased to lead us in this time, that your spirit who is always present in the hearts of your children would be stirred, that we might see Christ as we have just sung, and that we might be um, changed, challenged, encouraged, built up, helped by your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. So folks, we've reached the second last week in our series on prayer, and this morning we're considering the role of the Holy Spirit in prayer. Prayer is, of course, how we speak to God, but is also one of the ways in which he speaks to us. And so we want to consider together the work of the Holy Spirit and how it is that we listen to God. I think for many of us, though, as we start out on a topic like this, there's a sense of uncertainty or we're just a little unsure. We sort of feel like we don't really know or understand much about the Holy Spirit. And from that sense, it's encouraging in a way that it has always been that way since the book of Acts. Did you pick up as they experienced the Holy Spirit, the new believers were amazed, verse 7, and astonished. They were, verse 12, amazed and perplexed. They are bewildered. And, and that's, that's the believers. That's, that's the Christians. So confusing is the scene that those who don't know Jesus look at them all and say, I, I don't know what's going on here. I don't know what's been happening. But clearly everyone's drunk. This just makes no sense whatsoever. 
the Holy Spirit can be a, a confusing topic. And it, it's not just in Acts chapter 2. As we continue our way through Acts, in Acts chapter 19, we find Paul going to the church in Ephesus, and he meets with some of the believers there, and he asks them about the Holy Spirit. And they say, quote, We have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And so the joke goes that that was the Presbyterian church of Ephesus. And may that never be, may that never be of us, and at least of this Presbyterian church. Indeed, the Holy Spirit is alive and active. And I'd like to encourage you as we start that if you are a believer this morning, if you would claim Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if he has forgiven you of your sins, then the reality is you probably know more of the Holy Spirit's work than you realize. You probably know more of the Holy Spirit's work than you realize. Uh, He has been active in your life. He has been on the move on your life. You just might not have realized it was him. Uh, Let me give you an example. Um, In our home, several months ago, uh, I made the school lunches for the kids the next next morning. And uh, this is a kind of sadly rare event for me normally nearly nearly always in fact it's my, my wife who does this but while I was making the lunches one of them came down from bed from their bed and saw me making lunches and sort of thanked me for making lunch and, and away he went well it turns out that for the couple of months since then he thought that I was always the one who made lunch okay He saw me doing it once and assumed that I always did it. And so he got up in the morning and he packed his lunch and he went to school and he ate his lunch, never knowing that the one who had done all that for him was not his father, but in fact his mother, the Holy Spirit of our household. Um, He had the tangible fruit of the work, just didn't realize it was her. And there's a similar thing in the life of a believer, that the Holy Spirit's work is actually very evident in our lives. We just don't always realize that it's him. Let me give you 12 examples. I don't have enough fingers. 12 examples of how this is true. Things that the Holy Spirit does in our lives. Number one, it's the Holy Spirit who convicts us of sin. John 16, verse 8. You ever had a sense as a believer that you shouldn't do that or a sense that you shouldn't uh, you know, behave in, in, in that way or, or even a sense of remorse over what you have done? The Bible says that that's the fruit of the Holy Spirit's work in your life. Number two, it's the Holy Spirit who regenerates us, Titus 3, 5. You understand this morning that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, the only reason you are a believer in Jesus Christ is because the Spirit has done a work in your heart. That we left to ourselves a very hard hearts and we would, we would laugh at grace as a foolish notion had God not invaded our hearts and changed us from within and enabled us to see our need of forgiveness and grace. Number three, it's the Holy Spirit who assures us that we're loved by God. Romans eight sixteen. Four, the Holy Spirit helps us to pray. Romans 8, verse 26. Five, it's the Holy Spirit who sanctifies us, 2 Corinthians 3.18. Six, it's the Holy Spirit who produces fruit in our lives, Galatians 5.22. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. When these things are evident in your life, it's proof of, of his work. Seven, it's the Holy Spirit who unifies us, Ephesians 4 verse 1. 
8, it's the Holy Spirit who guides us into truth. John 16, verse 13. 9, it's the Holy Spirit who reminds us of his word. You've been in those situations where perhaps you're struggling with something or perhaps you're needing to give a word of advice to, to someone else and then suddenly you'll remember a scripture, remember a passage that's, that's helpful for you or for your friend. Where did that, where did that come from? The Bible says that that, that that memory, that remembrance is the work of the Holy Spirit. At 10, it's the Holy Spirit who comforts us, Acts 9, 31. 11, it's the Holy Spirit who equips us for ministry, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4. At 12, it's the Holy Spirit who protects us, Ephesians 1, verse 13. Here's my point. It might seem like a somewhat strange and confusing topic, but understand, the Holy Spirit has been making your sandwiches your entire Christian life. Your entire Christian life. And today, uh, as we celebrate Pentecost Sunday, commemorating the events of Acts chapter 2, we want to reflect upon his work in prayer. And I have to tell you that the fact that we're doing so is actually somewhat uh, sort of coincidental. Uh, we planned our series a long time ago and planned to preach on the Holy Spirit on this particular Sunday. And we were in worship meeting a couple of weeks ago and Jeff Vogan, our director of worship, said to me, Oh, you planned this really well to be preaching on the Holy Spirit on Pentecost Sunday. And I kind of looked at him and I was thinking, that's Pentecost Sunday, <laughs> right? Um, who knew? And then I was kind of faced with a moment like, I could claim credit for this, <laughs> you know? And then the Holy Spirit convicted me not to do that. <laughs> so, you know, came clean and told him. So it's just by his hand, we're studying this uh, this morning. Again, the idea is that in prayer, it's not just that we speak to God. We do speak to God and we've reflected on that idea. But prayer is also one of the ways in which God speaks to us through his word, through his sacraments, through community, through fellowship, but also through prayer. It's one of the ways in which he speaks to us. And we just consider, friends, if that's true, if God speaks to us through prayer, if the God of heaven and earth, who's real, who truly exists and truly cares about his people and truly has given us salvation by grace, if this God wants to speak to us, to reveal his perspective, to reveal his thoughts, to include us on all the kind of secret intel that he has available to him. If he wants to speak to us, does it not make sense that we would want to listen? That we would want to listen to what this God has to say to us. How do we do it? Three things we're going to see. Three things we need to do in order to hear the Holy Spirit in our lives. Somewhat topical again, like last week, we'll jump around from a number of different texts. Ready? First thing we need to do if we're to hear the Holy Spirit could not be more simple and really couldn't be more obvious. Don't expect a profound point here. The first thing we need to do in order to hear from the Holy Spirit is listen. Listen. You know the number one reason we don't hear the Holy Spirit is because we're not listening for the Holy Spirit. It's not that the Holy Spirit isn't speaking. It's that we're not listening to hear from him. In order to hear, we need to listen. Two um, other ideas to kind of get our arms around this. First of all, in order to hear, in order to listen, we need to have times of stillness. Stillness. Times of stillness. Times when we stop and pay attention to the Lord and his word and what he's doing in our lives and attention to what the Spirit might be saying to us and even asking what the Spirit is saying to us. We believe, of course, that there's no 
um, quality time without a quantity of time. That it's true in your marriage and in your parenting and with the Lord as well. You can't just show up in a mad rush and suddenly expect to get a download from the Holy Spirit. No, we set time aside to have um, quiet, still time and listen. Now, Jesus himself understood this. He set aside time, prioritized time for, for, for prayer and, and solitude. Mark 1 verse 35, we read, Rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. We read of King David doing the same thing, going into the presence of the Lord and sitting in stillness. We read of Peter giving his lunch break up to go and sit on the roof and pray in Acts chapter 10. Again and again in the Bible, we see believers setting time aside to be still before the Lord. Now, of course, if Peter needed to do it, and King David needed to do it, and if Jesus needed to do it, then of course we need to do that as well. It needs to be a thing that's part of of our habit and of our routine. The reality is, it's really hard to beat the spiritual benefit of good, old-fashioned, old-school, quiet time. And I want to sort of I know that's such a, if you've been around the church, that's such a known reality. But can we just sit, sit on it a second? As a church, we, we somewhat celebrate the idea that we're not a particularly creative or innovative people. And so I've shared, shared before, you know, we'll get calls saying, well, things at McLean are going great and you're growing and you're growing with lots of young people. You know, what, what, what are you doing to accomplish this? You know, what is the dark magic, right? And we say, we're talking about Jesus. That's our evil plan for world domination. You know? Where did we come up with this idea? <laughs> right? uh, when it comes to spiritual maturity, how do we grow? Old school way. Quiet time with the Lord. Now, again, it's so known, it's not innovative, it's not creative, it's not particularly exciting, but the, the reality is if you speak to mature believers... If you ask mature believers about their walk of faith, you'll find that they have matured through mundane faithfulness. They've matured through a disciplined, ordinary, somewhat boring routine. And the cumulative effect of that has been great faith and great maturity and great intimacy with the Lord. The reality is there's huge power in us just stopping and being still and listening to his spirit. Now, David is going to talk a little bit more about this next week, this idea of setting time aside to be with the Lord. But again, just press it in a little bit more today. That, you know, the pace of contemporary life is so frenetic and so busy that often we don't have time to think, let alone listen to the spirit. We need to start setting time aside. The busyness of our lives is not good for our our physical health, be it headaches or ulcers or heart disease. It's not good for our mental health, the levels of anxiety and panic attack, but it's not good for our, our spiritual health either. Most of us live at too fast a pace. One writer says, we were designed for camel travel, but now we move at jet speed. Our adrenaline is a continuous stream of supercharged, high-octane energy. 
And as with any vehicle running on high-octane fuel, we usually burn out quickly. I just wonder in your life, are you too hurried, too hassled, too overextended, so that you don't set aside time to be still before the Lord and listen? Stillness is important to listening. The second thing that we need to do, along with stillness, if we're to listen to the Lord, is this idea of awareness. Stillness and awareness. And by stillness, I'm meaning those are the times when you, you've set them aside and you stop what you're doing and you're, you're, you're quiet before the Lord. Awareness, I'm more referring to a, a, an attitude or a disposition, an attentiveness that you carry throughout all the rest of life, throughout the craziness and throughout the busyness, to have a sense of anticipation, a sense of expectation and an attention to what the Lord might be saying to you in the moment of your busyness. In the uh, everyday details of uh, your life. Having an ear to his spirit. Because again, it turns out that when we give our attention to him, the problem isn't that he's not speaking. <laughs> when, he's, when we give our, uh, give our attention to him, we very quickly find that, that he is. An example of this. Um, where, where we live um, a couple of months ago, a, a Glory Days restaurant opened up about a mile from our house. Now, I'd never, I'd never heard of Glory Days before, and so along we went, and it was very nice. Since being there, I now, I've seen like seven or eight Glory Days. They're everywhere. They're all over the place. Now, what changed there? Did they just open seven or eight restaurants in the last couple of months, and I didn't realize? No, that's not what happened. I went to one, and then started to see more because I was aware of them. Another example would be, uh, what happens if you buy shares in General Motors? What happens? you start seeing Buicks everywhere, okay? Now, did your investment suddenly put thousands of Buicks on the road? Probably not, no. You're just aware of them and start, you start to see them everywhere. And so when there's an article about GM in the newspaper, you read that. You just have, you're, you're aware of it and so you see more of it. And, and I'm suggesting that it's the same way with the Holy Spirit. That... Yeah, there's glory days everywhere, there's Buicks everywhere, and the Spirit is speaking everywhere. He's speaking all the time if we'll just be attuned and attentive to listen to him. So, hearing from the Holy Spirit begins with with listening, having some stillness to be quiet before him, but also an awareness to be listening to him throughout the day. After listening, the second thing we have to do is, um, is, is listen and then test. Test what we think we're hearing from the Holy Spirit. Why is this so important? It's so important because of the question, how do you know if something is from the Holy Spirit or just your idea? How do you know that? How do you know if it's just something that you've come up with or if it's something that the Lord is putting on your heart? And of course, this is an important question. When you're making perhaps a major life decision, You're considering changing job. You're considering relocating. You want to be sure that this isn't just you thinking. It's the spirit leading. Uh, If you're uh, making a decision that's going to have a big financial impact or a decision that's going to end or endanger a relationship, you want to be sure that you're not acting on your own whims but in fact uh, have in fact heard the Holy Spirit. How do you test what you've heard to be sure that it's from him? Three very quick things on that. First of all, you can know if it's the Holy Spirit because God's promptings, these nudges of the Spirit, are always absolute, always 
100% of the time, always consistent with his word, the Bible. God's promptings are always consistent with his word, the Bible. The Spirit of God doesn't say one thing to you over here and something else to you over here. Now, in a sense, that sounds obvious, but in another sense, it's it's really deeply practical. I've had conversations. I, I remember one sitting in my office here at the church with a guy who was saying it was okay. He'd heard from the Lord that it was okay for him to leave his wife because the Lord wants him to be happy. Now, what do I say to that? Do I say, oh, well, the Spirit has spoken? (laughs) That is not what I said. (laughs) Right? I was able to say, I guarantee you with absolute authority that you have heard incorrectly. Because barring biblical grounds, it is never okay for you to leave your wife. And the Spirit would never tell you it was so. In fact, let me tell you some of the things the Spirit might be saying about this situation. Why am I able to say that? Because we know the Spirit only speaks things that are absolutely, 100%, always consistent with His Word. And so when we have an idea, something the Spirit might be saying to us, we test it against His Word. Secondly, having tested it against his word, uh, we can test it also by remembering that God's promptings, these nudges of the Spirit, are usually, not always, but usually confirmed in community. Always consistent with the Scripture, but usually confirmed in community. That when you have this sense that you're to change job, relocate, make a big decision, whatever it may be, that sense is usually confirmed as you gather other believers and seek their counsel and seek their advice. That as you live in community, the Spirit guides us through that process. Now, I want you to understand that that's still very much a Spirit-filled thing. I'm not saying, you know, kind of hear what you think the Spirit might be saying and then just use rationalistic advice to to determine if it's right. No, the reason it's such a spiritful thing is that um, the Holy Spirit lives within the heart of the believer. Paul tells us, 1 Corinthians 6, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives within you? The the, the Holy Spirit isn't an outside force as much as it is an internal person. That if you took um, someone who knows Jesus and someone who say they're not a Christian, if you took two people, a believer and an unbeliever, and had a spiritual X-ray machine, were able to pass them through a spiritual X-ray machine, you would see in the soul of the believer the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul is telling us. The Holy Spirit, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. The Holy Spirit is always with you. And so what happens in community, hang with me here, isn't just sort of some form of, of like advice and wisdom. No, it's seeking the Spirit together. Why? Because the Spirit that's in me and the Spirit that's in you always leads us in the same direction. And always leads us to the same conclusion. And so if I have three believers sitting around saying, you know, it seems right to us and the Holy Spirit that you do A, and I'm pretty sure I should do B, that should give me pause for thought. That actually I'm the outlier here and need to be stepping in line with the Spirit, walking with the Spirit. A great example of this, again, just uh, very concrete. Um, A couple of weeks ago we had a a session meeting. It's when the elders of our church 
uh, meet together and we were discussing just a, a difficult decision that, that we had to make and it was interesting that at the start of that conversation there, there wasn't really agreement over how we should handle it, some different views and different opinions and we spoke together and we prayed together and we finished that conversation in complete agreement, unanimity over what we should do. Now, listen, <laughs> the elders of our church would tell you something that would make a group of driven type A DC Washingtonians lay down their own opinions and leave completely agreed on an issue can be nothing less than the work of the Holy Spirit <laughs> right during that time the spirit moved and the spirit that's within us led and guide us to the same conclusion and so it is with all matters of faith that when we discern the spirit speaking to us that can be confirmed in community thirdly much more quickly we test against the bible we test in community we also test by remembering that god's promptings are are usually not nearly always not always usually um involving of of service service to other people what do I mean by that? I mean that the reality is that the Holy Spirit has an agenda in the life of the believer, and his agenda is very clear, which is to make you and I more like Jesus. That's why he's at work in our lives, to conform us into the image of his Son and to produce his fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, etc. In other words, the Holy Spirit is here in our lives to work on us and make us more of what God has intended us to be. And so we recognize that generally the Spirit's agenda is to change us, not other people. So we're very slow to say, (laughs) husbands, very slow to say, I've been praying and it seems right to me in the Holy Spirit, bride, that you change. The Spirit doesn't normally say that. The Spirit normally tells you the eight ways that you need to change. And wives, it's the same with husbands. Friends, it's the same with friends. Parents with kids, kids with parents. In all relationships, the Spirit's presence, his voice, generally calls us to be more sacrificial, to be more generous, to be more patient, to be more thoughtful, to be more temperate, more of all sorts of things that don't involve making demands on other people. The Spirit's presence normally involves service. So, the Bible community service. We listen to the voice of the Lord in stillness and awareness, and we test it in this way. And then thirdly, quickly and very simply, we obey the voice of the Spirit. We obey the voice of the Spirit. We listen, we test, then we obey. What does that mean? On one hand, it means we say no to the things that we should say no to. See, so often, you know what this is like. You have something that you want to do, and then you find some reasons for why you should do it. And you seek counsel from those who will probably agree with you, and you just build a case as to why this is the right thing to do. But if the Holy Spirit is placing a hold on that, if he's saying pause if he's saying no then we need to have the self-awareness to, to stop that line of thinking and to, to obey the Holy Spirit. Uh, an example in our own lives came uh, I guess three or four years ago now when uh, we were really wrestling through and praying through the opportunity to go and, and plant a church in our hometown of Edinburgh with uh, City to City Ministries who were here with us this last week. Now you can imagine there was a lot of sort of emotional appeal 
to that opportunity. Um, our parents are there. My grandparents are there who are aging by the day. Um, siblings, cousins, uh, friends. You know, uh, there's an emotional draw to that. And yet, as Rosie and I prayed through it, it became really clear to us, this isn't what God has for us. This isn't what God wants us to do. And it was an interesting decision because at the time we didn't say no to A because of B. We just said no to A because it didn't seem it didn't seem right. Of course, we didn't know what we were doing, but God knew what He was doing, and He'd given us no sense of peace about that because over the next year or so, everything would unfold here, and He'd make it clear to us that He wanted to He wanted us to stay here and pastor at McLean. Now we didn't know any of that. We didn't know that that was coming down the pipe. The point is that the Lord gave us a sense that we should say no. And we said no, and, and we're glad we did. And we're glad we did. We obey the Spirit, saying no to what we should say no to. Similarly, if he nudges us to say yes, we say yes. When he nudges you to have a conversation with that person uh, in the Starbucks, when he nudges you to write a letter to a particular friend, when he encourages you to make this decision or that decision, whatever it may be, we say yes to what he nudges us to say yes to. Um, Let me make it just crystal clear uh, in this way by saying um, no one ever regretted obeying God. No one ever regretted obeying God. If he calls you to say no to something, you'll say no and you'll be glad that you did. If he calls you to say yes to something, say yes and you'll be glad that you did. He has ordered this creation in such a way that when we obey him, he is glorified, but we ourselves also find our own joy is magnified. Friends, we're out of time. Here's the point. Don't be too influenced by our rationalistic culture. The work of the Holy Spirit caused the early believers to be accused of drunkenness. Following the Spirit may make you look just as crazy as they did today. But we listen for him, being still, being aware. We test what we hear through his word, through community, through service. And then we obey, saying no or yes. And then we wait. (laughs) We wait and we're invariably amazed at what he does. Let's pray together. God, thanks again for this time in your word. And thanks for these moments to uh, just um, reflect on your desire to speak with us. You've spoken so clearly, of course, in your word and continue to speak in the sacraments and in our community and fellowship. But we also thank you for speaking to us through your spirit, through prayer. And so we pray that you would help us to be um, attentive, Lord, to have uh, our our hearts and our ears uh, tuned to your voice uh, that we might uh, follow where you lead. Father, these things we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.